Welcome to Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. You know, my day starts very early. Usually I awake around 3 o'clock in the morning. I love the mornings. There's something about getting up in the morning and spending time with the Lord that I don't experience as intently in other parts of the day. Now, they're just me. Well, this word friendship has been on my mind. But what I'm going to share with you this morning is probably sandwiched in between part two and part three. It probably should have come as part of the foundational information, but in God's timing, this is where he has landed me today. Now, as I'm studying this word friend, of course, I go to the word of God because I want to know from God's perspective, what is this word friendship that so many of us kind of stumble upon and stumble into, and then sometimes we have to backtrack Well, in my study of the Word of God and understanding some of the deeper meanings of this word friendship in a way that's meaningful for us, once again, deciding to be someone's friend is not something we should take lightly. It's something that we should really think about. We should pray about it and enter into it very consciously aware with an open heart and an open mind to the Lord as he leads us. This is why I'm so fascinated with Jonathan and David and their relationship. It was so God-centered. It was so God-orchestrated. It was so God-motivated and encouraged. Now, as I'm studying this word friend, and I always go to the Hebrew and look for some translations and some deeper meanings, I think what this study is doing for me is giving me a better appreciation for the relationships I have in my life. Now, the word friend is used, I think, 53 times in the Bible. But one of the persons that uses it a lot is David. Not always in connection with Jonathan, but he does call different people in the word friend. Now, another word for friend in the Bible you can use is companion. Now, David was a person who experienced a lot of emotion in his relationship. He was a person that spoke most often about what was going on in his heart and his mind. You you read that in the Psalms. You know, David draws us into his experience when you read the Psalms. David doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. You know what he's thinking. You know what he's feeling. You know what his thoughts are. I love reading the Psalms because David always is pouring out himself upon the Lord. He's always seeking after him and grasping the truths that he is learning and seeking to apply them. The word friend in the Bible is most often used to mean to make a connection, to connect, to link up to, to be joined with someone on purpose. It's something that you have chosen to do. You know, we can't choose our mother and our father. We can't choose our brother or our sister. We can't choose our uncle or our cousin. But we can choose a friend. 
We can choose someone to connect with. We can choose someone to link up with. Now, what is closely associated with this word friend in the Bible is the word trust. And I found that interesting. And the word trust, in many occasions, means to be welded to. So when you decide to trust someone, you are welding yourself to that person. Isn't that interesting? And that's why it is so connected with the word friend or companion. The other word that's closely associated with the word friend is shalom, which means peace. When we decide to connect with someone that the Lord has ordained, in such in the case of David and Jonathan, these two people are connected, they're joined together, they're linked together. They have a trust. They're welded together. But this word shalom added to it means they are at one with each other. They are at peace with each other. They stand firmly in their connection. They're not confused by the other person's oddity or their good days and their bad days. They're not confused by some of their behavior because they know the person. To choose to have a friend is for both parties to make a decision to leave a place that's familiar and decide to come to a different place where both settle together. Now, the thing about David and Jonathan, and I will go into more details in other parts of this series. The thing about David and Jonathan is that we don't know initially how much time they spent together fostering this relationship. If you do a little, hear a little, there a little in the Word of God, and you do some study, you will come to the conclusion that David spent nearly 12 years running from his father-in-law. Because remember, Saul wants David dead, and he's pursuing him actively trying to take his life. Now, this is a mind-altering concept anyway. You know, your father-in-law, or your mother-in-law, or your brother, your sister, someone is trying to kill you. Someone that you love have at one time greatly admired and respected. This person that's trying to take your life is your best friend's father. I mean, just think about it. Who has this to deal with? <laughs> you know, who who is pursuing you, trying to take your life? In the Bible, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, where it says, Thou shalt not kill, that is a very broad statement because Saul was trying to physically kill David. But when the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill, it's also taking in the concept of how we can kill someone's spirit, how we can kill someone's reputation, how we can do things to our own body that's detrimental to our mental and physical health. That's a part of that commandment when we are told, thou shalt not kill. And the opposite is the same. What can we do to bring about health in our own body, and our mind, health to someone else? And when we think about this word friendship or companion, this is what we bring to the relationship, a means of bringing health and wellness to that other person. I wanted to just throw this in, once again, sandwiched between part two and part three, just to give you a flavor of what I'm after in understanding this word friend. 
I think the type of relationship that David and Jonathan had, and it was so Christ-centered, is rare. I think we have these type of relationships once or twice in a lifetime, and unfortunately, some people may never even have it at all. But it's always possible. We can always have this type of relationship with Christ. And this is what he is always after. This level of intimacy, this level of connection, this level of joining together out of choice. We can always leave where we are and meet Jesus in a place to connect, to be one. It's our choice and it's a daily choice. We can always have the peace, shalom, embodied in this relationship with Christ. And I really believe until we are connected with him in such a way, only then will he be able to foster that relationship with us to someone else. I am just so fascinated that the Lord is always working on our hearts and our minds. And he's working on someone else's heart and mind. And he's doing it for a number of years. And at the appointed time, at his divine appointed time, he brings these two people together that he has been working with separately. And so we leave our common places, our places of comfort, and he brings us to another place where we are connected with him and with this other person. What was the purpose of bringing these two people together, Jonathan and David? Think about the relationship you have with someone that you are close with. What's the purpose? It's not just about you getting something out of it and this person getting something out of it. It's a purpose. How is this relationship glorifying God? You know, it has been my position for a number of years because I've had relationships that have gone south. I've been very hurt by certain relationships and I really believe that these people were my friend later to find out that I was giving more to the relationship and I was expecting things that I should not have. I know what it is to be portrayed by someone I consider to be a friend, not just once, but at least three times in my lifetime. I know what that's like. So I have made it my choice to, or should I say I have made it my uh, what's the word I want to use? Put it like this. If I get a sense that someone wants to be my friend, and here's another word, neighbor. It doesn't mean that you don't enjoy spending time with your neighbor, seeing your neighbors, standing across the fence, waving at your neighbor, taking your neighbor food. But seldom does this word neighbor, it's another word for friend, it's a looser word, turn into a friend or a companion in which we see David and Jonathan doing because they may have been once neighbors. They knew of each other's existence maybe, but God brought them together to be friends. You know, I think of a neighbor as someone you go to church with or work with and you talk to, but you don't, you don't intentionally invest in that person on a deeper level. You're satisfied with only seeing them once a week or only talking to them for a few minutes on a church and you kind of wave or give them a hug and you're done. You like them, you love them. That is really the totality of the relationship and, and sometimes it doesn't ever go any further than that. What I typically do 
is when I sense someone wants to be my friend. Taking the relationship out of just being neighbors, I sit down and I have a conversation with them. I want to know what they're looking for. I want to know what their expectations are. I want them to know what mine are. If we decide to move out of our common place and meet and connect in a different place for the purpose of connecting, joining, linking up, having the peace of being one with each other, I want that person to know that if we go there, this is what you can expect from me. What can I expect from you? Give an example. I have a friend. I had this conversation with this friend years ago. This friend let me know that they're not a telephone person. And in the many, many, many years I've known this person, they have seldom ever picked up the phone to call me just to check on me to see how I am doing. They have called on occasion to invite me here or invite me there. But to check on me, the person, that has rarely happened. Although they are aware of some things that are going on in my life, that's just not what they do. Now, when I am in that person's presence, when we are spending some time together, they're very attentive. I don't question if they love me or care about me. I know they do. But because I had that conversation with that person, I don't expect them to do anything different than what they're doing. If I hadn't have had that conversation, I probably would be very hurt by the lack of inquiring, the lack of reaching out, the lack of initiating contact with me, just to see how I'm doing. Now, what I bring to the relationship is I do reach out, I do check on, I do call, I do inquire, I do go to see. But that's me. I'm not saying this is something that you need to do or have to do, but I do highly recommend it. Because what it does is it puts you in a frame of mind of acceptance instead of expectations. And that will save your relationship with a person a whole lot of trouble. So I'm going to close with my little rambling here. I just wanted to just sandwich this in to give you a, a feel and a flavor for this word friendship that seeing it from God's perspective, it's just so much more than two people spending time together. I want you to listen closely to some of the words that, that the Bible uses to describe their friendship. I mean, just think about it. Jonathan is loves David as he loves his own soul. Is there someone in your life that you love that way? It could be your husband. It could be your childhood friend, someone you've known forever. I'm telling you, these types of relationships are rare that you do spend time outside of church with. But I will say this. It doesn't have to be someone that you spend a lot of time with because David did not spend a lot of time with Jonathan because he was running from Jonathan's father. <laughs> okay. The Bible only informs us that out of those 12 years of him running, I think they only saw each other once. There was no cell phones and there was no email their ability to keep in contact with each other was extremely limited. But because the Lord had joined them together, they remained friends for the rest of their life. In the true sense of the word friend, they never stopped being connected. They never stopped being joined together 
on an emotional level, although physically they wasn't. Together they were apart. They never stopped being mindful of each other. The place of commonality that they left and came together, they never removed themselves from that place. So it's not about how much time you are physically spending with someone. It's about the quality of your mindset on that person. It's about the quality and your investment in who that person is. It's up to the two of you to determine what that will look like for each other. And when God is in the mix, it's a beautiful thing. And I close with this. I am convinced of this. Until the Lord makes us his, he will not lend us out to other people because that other person can easily take his place. So if the Lord has not fostered into your life a relationship, a friendship such as the one that Jonathan and David had, and we do long for those types of relationship, be patient, be long-suffering because God is doing a deeper work in us so that when he releases us, to be that type of friend, to receive that type of friendship, we are ready. And he will be the center of it. And that other person will not take Christ's place in our life. And that is so very important. Until next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. You are the most courageous woman I know. And I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you.